the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. And I promise I won't use the, well, hello, everybody, voice again for at least an hour. We'll see. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Yesterday, Columbus Day. What do we need to know? Probably not that much, right? 800-516-1220 calls on the air. Um, in my humble opinion, and I think it's pretty humble, because I think the markets are humbling, Stock market should trade lower today. What it should do and what it will do, not always the same thing. And that's where the humble comes in. China's September trade balance report showed a 20.4% year-over-year decline in imports. Holy shnikes, what did he just say? China's September trade balance report showed a 20.4% year-over-year decline in imports. And a 3.7% decline in exports year over year. Now, say what? I know, say what? The whole idea of China's September trade balance dropping 20%. I've never seen a number that big. That's egregious. Think of something like, yeah, I make love with my spouse once a day. And then suddenly you're like 20 times a day. Like, it's that kind of difference. It's egregiously large, grand-ass. A 3.7% year-over-year decline in exports is large, but 20.4% in imports is... It's loco in the cocoa. That's also the 11th straight decline in imports and the 7th straight decline 
um, over the last nine months, or the seventh decline in, in nine months. So China's weak compared to where they were. Japan's household confidence index for September dipped to a 40.6 rating from 41.7. Its machine tool orders declined 19% versus a prior decline of 16.5%. These are great large numbers. They're not good. You want more? Give me just a second. I'll push one more out. Okay, Germany's ZIU index of economic sentiment dropped to a 1.9 region from 12.1 under the weight of the Volkswagen scandal. I need a paper bag. I'm hyperventilating. Every number is more awful than ever expected. Great Britain's consumer price index declined one-tenth of a percent month over month and year over year in September. That's not so bad. But the four of them, it's like a pop, 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 pow. It's Those are all bad numbers. Let's throw in there. Can we throw something else in there in the salad? I know you're saying, please toss the salad. The International Energy Agency said global oil demand growth is expected to slow from a five-year high of 1.8 million barrels in 2015 to just 1.2 anemic million barrels per day in 2016. Come on. There's nothing positive here. Now, disappointing economic news worldwide hasn't had that much of a bearish influence on Wall Street because we are the USA, 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 and we're really not that focused on international markets, but we should be. The mixed messaging from Fed officials is a whole other issue that we have to contend with outside this spotty economic data. The market, for the most part, continues to think the wait-and-see approach through the end of the year will win out. So we had Fed Governor Brannon yesterday suggesting a wait-and-see approach was appropriate in light of global uncertainties. Meanwhile, on the other hand, I wish these Fed officials had just had one hand. Because one says it's wait-and-see, while the other one said that he thinks the Fed's normalization goals have been met. Please, I want to meet a one-armed Fed official. That's my 2015 dream. I'm not asking to cut anyone's arm off, but if you were, make it a Fed official. Because I'm getting tired of their, like, on one hand issues. But on the other hand... On one hand, you're the greatest boyfriend ever. But on the other hand, you don't send me enough flowers. Chop, chop, chop your arm off. Um, some high-profile warnings. Warning, warning, warning. Danger from Rider Systems and FMC Corp. Twitter, for their part, they said they expect third quarter revenue and EBITDA at or above the high end of its previous guidance. Woohoo! They also said they're going to be reducing their staff by about 8%. Woohoo! Take a look at these 140 characters. You got laid off. Hashtag need to find another job. Hashtag. Uh. Dow component Johnson & Johnson top third quarter expectations. 
When I think of Johnson and Johnson, I think of babies who have dirty hair. And Johnson Johnson is not going to run out of babies with dirty hair in my lifetime. When I think of Johnson and Johnson, I think of Band-Aids. And people needing Band-Aids are not going to run out in my lifetime. It's kind of boring, but also kind of wonderful. Today's earnings news. Hmm. We're going to get CSX Corporation. It's a train company. Chugga chugga choo choo, chugga chugga choo choo. Why do we care about chugga chugga choo choo? Because chugga chugga choo choos tend to bring things to us. There's planes, there's trains, and there's automobiles. Trains are important. We also get numbers out of Intel and J.P. Morgan Chase tonight after the close. Happy, happy earnings season. Happy, happy earnings season. Happy, happy earnings season. I love earnings season. Um, so with that market recap, where do you think we are in the market? You think we're higher? You think we're lower? Higher, lower, higher, lower, higher, lower? You tell me. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? SP 500 is down three. Eh, not bad. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 22. Eh, not bad. NASDAQ down five. But that was just a slew of economic data that would make, like, I'm going to wear a diaper to work tomorrow because that's how upsetting that is. EMC is going to pay Dell $2 billion as a breakup fee in a go shop period. China September imports plunge. Under Armour CFO Brad Dickerson to leave early next year. That's kind of planned and kind of expected. Gold slightly lower. Crude oil slightly lower. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.06%. Amra Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Okay, let's see if you can figure out the fake story. A little bit of a game for you. What's the fake story? CEO of Tesla said that they're going to be launching autopilot this Thursday, which will help keep you in your lane, as well as potentially park the car in a garage for you. True story, fake story. Twitter and Snapshot announcing layoffs. Starbucks launching delivery service pilot program, which... They've announced that it's launched its company's much-anticipated delivery service, basically just in New York at this point in time. They've invested heavily in mobile, but now they're getting into mobile being delivery instead of just the app. 
And the final story of which is fake, Playboy to stop publishing nude photos. Which is the fake story? You tell me. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com, and I will reward you with something wonderful. For now, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, got a couple of emails to get through. Let's do it. This is a big one, so let's see if we can't make this. Got a book? <laughs> well, this is, it's kind of long, and it's got some fancy words in it. Isn't it, and it comes from us, to us from Eddie. Isn't it true that RMD is calculated based on the value of your portfolio at the end of December of the year before you turn 70 and a half, regardless whether you have been withdrawing funds for years? RMD is required minimum distribution? Yeah, required minimum towards, distribution. Tied towards your retirement accounts. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so the way it works is once you turn 70 and a half, April 1st of the year following 70 and a half, it's, it's, you know, every time I say these things, it's like, who made up the rule of 70 and a half? Why not just 71? Why do you have to calculate where your 70 and a half birthday is and then figure out, oh, by April 1st of the year, but if you, do, if you wait till the following year, you have to take two that year. I, and I think I can tell you why. It's because when you turn 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs or 401ks. It's okay. a certain formula that you use to do that. And let's say that amount's $15,000. Okay. If you forget to do it, it's a 50% penalty on that amount. So $7,500 penalty, plus you still have to pull the money out and pay the taxes on top of that. Sure. Um, you know, as if figuring out what Medicare supplement plan and prescription drug plan you want when you retire is hard, isn't hard enough, then you got to deal with taxes. On, Are those hard? Oh, it's, it's a full-time job. I tell you what, to, to go in and figure out once you turn 65 and pick the right supplement plan. You know, a lot of people that are on Kaiser just stay on Kaiser. I, I tend to uh, find that older people tend to be fairly happy with Kaiser. Okay. Um, I think younger people in terms of sports medicine and stuff like that, you know, fixing the knees and doing all that. I'm not too big of a fan of it, but I'd probably go Kaiser when I'm older. Why is that? It's just everything's kind of in one place, and okay. a lot of clients that I've had have been happy with it. Um, and my own mom, same thing. Okay. So she's happy with it. Anyways, getting back to the 70 and a half issue. Um, yeah, what happens is each year you have to look at the 1231 value of all of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and every all of it. Now, if everything's in IRAs, it's easy because you could add up everything, figure out what the formula is. It's like 20, it's 127.6 of the account or something like that in the first year. Um, and then you can say, okay, I've got all my IRAs. There's three or four different IRAs. Figure out what the number is, and you can take a withdrawal out of one IRA. Maybe your lowest performing IRA, maybe the best performing IRA that you're peeling off the top. Great. Taking some of that growth, spending the money. Um, if you have 401ks and 403bs, you've got to take one out of every single one of them. And so people make that mistake a lot, thinking that, oh, I've got a 401k and IRA, I'll just take the RMD, the required minimum distribution, out of my IRA. Nope. That's why it doesn't really make any sense to keep money in a 401k after you retire. Roll it over, consolidate it, so you don't make those mistakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what we talk about all, all the time is fighting the IRA tax trap. So when you retire, let's say it's 62. You retire at 62, 65. Well, one of the first places I like to look is the IRA. If I can take money out of the IRA... And a married couple filing jointly can have about 80 grand of income plus their, their itemized deductions and still be at a 15% federal bracket. So I look to the IRA first to make sure I'm maxing out that 15% bracket. And if you need the money, 
take the money out and spend it. If you don't need the money, take the money and convert it to a Roth so that you're whittling down your IRA, which means you're moving money from a taxable account, paying taxes on it now, moving it into an account that grows tax-free for the rest of your life and your kids' lives. And uh, and then that way, when you turn 70 and a half, you're not forced to take out so much taxable income. You're reducing the required minimum distributions because you're taking the money out earlier. And it levels out your taxes throughout your retirement rather than than having very little taxes until you're 70 and then super high taxes. Anything else that we need to know about RMDs? Is, um, there, is there a good calculator online? Does your Yeah, irs.gov, publication 590. It has a, the tables there. Okay. And um, then there's you know all sorts of issues. So if people you have an account with like a Fidelity or Vanguard, mm-hmm. will they step up and help you come up with a number? Or no, 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 no. That's advice. Yeah, yeah. Typically, yeah, typically they're not gonna. What they do is they send you the letter to remind you okay. that you're supposed to do it. But Fidelity doesn't know that you have a IRA at Vanguard and an IRA at T Rowe Price or something like that. So they don't. They won't. They'll give you all the disclaimers in the world before they'll give you tax advice. So. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Feeling kind of blah. How about you? 800-516-1220. So I started that segment by saying, what's the fake story? And ultimately, they're all true stories, which is shocking. In the sense that Twitter and Snapshot chat, bleh, Twitter and Snapchat are both laying off people. Uh, Twitter is going to cut about 8% of its workforce while Snapchat is laying off its Snap Channel team, which is about 15 employees. Uh, Snapchat not yet public, which is kind of a shocker there. Twitter has way too many employees for how many users that they're, they're running through. So that's a true story. Another true story was Elon Musk says that the Tesla autopilot arrives Thursday, which let me pull out my abacus and my calculator and my my, my personal manager. Is that tomorrow? No, it's Thursday. It's the day after tomorrow. So autopilot, we don't know what it's going to do yet, but we think it's going to be able to hold the car in its lane on a freeway. Also, the company's working on a feature that allowed the car to park itself in a garage. <clears throat> Starbucks is testing a delivery service out of the Empire State Building. They've already invested heavily in mobile ordering and pay as part of its efforts to build customers' loyalty and drive extra customer visits. But the shocking story that's true is after 62 years of naked women inside the magazine, starting March 2016, Playboy will no longer publish nude photographs of women. Uh, my teenage boy inside me just died. The adult, that's a good thing. But the teenage boy just died. How's that for the 21st century? There's too much internet pornography. Playboy calls it passe to be nude these days. Whoa. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in the one, the only, Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com, Chief Market Strategist. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to be back with you. Shot out of a cannon. First question, when will the stock market go higher? <laughs> uh, it's going <laughs> higher right now as we speak. Um, I'm not sure it really should be going higher, but um, but the market has <clears throat> you know, taken on a uh, – a mind of its own again, and that you know it tends to look at things that are bad as being good uh, because it's essentially interpreting bad news as providing a basis for these central banks to just simply stay as accommodative as they have been, if not get more accommodative. And um, you know, I think that the you know traders are frankly riding that uh, mentality for all it's worth right now. With that said, do you think? It's been a long time since good news has been good news. Mm-hmm. Right now it's bad news, like you said, equals easy monetary policy, accommodative monetary policy. Japan's been in their funk for what? Good golly, like 25 years? Right. Do we ever do we ever get out of this funk as a world or as the U.S.? Well, it, it's certainly looking like uh, we're going to be stuck in a rut for a while. Um, you got to, I guess, you know, fall back on the idea that you know that the U.S. seems to somehow always find the right solution after everything else, you know, else it tries doesn't work. You know, what's that saying? Something like that. Um, but um, it, you know, it, it, it's a reflection, really, of, of a very unique period. Um, in market history and and I think history in general, um, you're working off of still off of you know the greatest financial collapse uh, since the Great Depression, and there's this you know sense of urgency to get it over with and to move on and um, but things got you know hurt really badly then and uh, it takes a while um, you know to repair those balance sheets uh, at the consumer level. Uh, and they are looking better these days, certainly, than they did several years ago. Um, but from a an investor standpoint, uh, it becomes really hard to um, to to trust in the stock market. Frankly, uh, when you see just how much hurt it has doled out, how much pain it has doled out uh, since you know the year 2000 rolled around. Um, so it's been a really really tough period uh, since then. Uh, it's hard to have a lot of faith in what you've been seeing because, um, especially at this juncture, because I think there's increased awareness that, you know, prices have been, you know, artificially supported in a big way by a monetary policy that uh, from all signals it seems like from Fed officials is, is about to change. Uh, and, uh, and it's tough to buy into that knowing that you're trading at a full valuation right now uh, and knowing that that easy money trade could potentially go away here in the near term. Pat, I have a question. Um, let's say you have a niece or a nephew, someone younger than you. How do you communicate what you just said that it's tough to buy into? Like I've always, I've always sold the notion that like just trust capitalism, invest in the stock market. Look at the hundred-year chart. Look at the ten-year, you know, gaps. There's never been down ten-year period. Well, there was in the thirties, but there's never been a twenty-down year period. You're going to invest from twenty to sixty. Do it over the long. Like, it sounds to me, just being honest, 
that you're kind of not, I'm not going to say fearful, but you're kind of saying the system's kind of broken. It's not really well, working you know, the way it should be working and the way we sold it for so many years. Yeah, you know, I mean, Rob, you, you draw out a lot of great points. There's no doubt about it when you, you know, you re- kind of look at that long, you know, you look at that long-term history and, and there's a lot of good arguments to be made. You know, I think right now I'm bothered by the fact that uh, I have the sense that it's kind of just a game right now, frankly. Um, when you see the market behave the way that it's behaved, and, and this is a, you know, I have to admit, this is a very, very short-term, you know, viewpoint here, okay? So and I'm, I'm looking back to how we've rallied off the lows here, uh, and when everyone thinks it's the, you know, the next leg up here in this bull market, and and you consider the fact that it's come in the face of a series of weak economic data points around the globe, you know, that suggest things aren't necessarily, you know, they're not getting better, uh, yet you've come bounding back here as if, um, you know, the world's a really happy place from an economic standpoint, and it's not. Um, you know, the energy sector up 11% this month, right? Um, and okay. oil prices have rebounded nicely of late. But on what? Um, you know, I think that there's a, a trading uh, game, if you will. Uh, they're just riding this idea of a weaker dollar and uh, and trying to squeeze a lot of people that were in short positions, and, and you get these big moves. And I think people make the mistake of reading uh, too much into those moves as if they're fundamentally based uh, when they're really not. So uh, I'm not liking the feel of this market here uh, in the very near term because I think it has – too much of a of a gaming mentality uh, because the fundamentals just don't really uh, back up uh, the the big move we've seen here lately. So let's talk about the fundamentals. Earnings season has kind of kicked off already, not into full gear. Next week, our conversation will be a little bit more legit and, and fleshed out. What are we expecting in the next couple of weeks as we go through this every ninety days? Sure. Well, you know, there's the the absolute projection of, you know, according to S&P Capital IQ, S&P 500 earnings right now are expected to decline 5.3% in the third quarter. Uh, Revenue expected to be down 1.5%. And just as an aside, you know, that's an example of how there's just not, you know, that whole strong sense of fundamental support in here. But now what the market thinks is going to happen, though, is that you're going to see companies come in and beat these lowered expectations, um, and 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 for the market to go up, and then you kind of embrace that whole rosy outlook that things will be better six months down the road, right? The same outlook we've been embracing for six years now, uh, and we still haven't seen that rosy outlook really come to fruition uh, in our estimation. But so uh, I think part of the reality we have seen of late has been based on that idea that you know we're going to get an earnings season that. Um, that will be better than feared, uh, and there has been a great allowance for this idea that uh, earnings aren't as bad as advertised because they've been predominantly driven by the downturn in the energy sector. Right, so you take energy out of the equation, and we're told S and P 500 EPS growth would be up about you know three percent. Um, we've talked about this before, Rob. I, you know, I don't. You know, we don't buy into those exclusions, right? If you're going to exclude everything that's really bad, uh, well, then you need to exclude everything that's really good, you know. Uh, Only those things that are really good are never, ever excluded. So we just kind of, like, look at things uh, always with that half-glass-full mentality as it relates to the earnings outlook. But 
all in all, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of excitement tied up in the current earnings projections for the S&P 500. I mean, we're lucky to, you know, see any earnings growth this year overall. Um, but lo and behold, forecasts for 2016, you know, are projecting double-digit EPS growth. Um, and that could be asking a lot, frankly, when you consider that you're starting from a base of seeing earnings supported by low rates, low labor costs, a weak dollar, and increased share buybacks. And what should we see down the road if things you know, come to fruition, you should see higher rates, higher labor costs, a stronger dollar, and probably a reduction in share buybacks. And uh, those things will probably act as headwinds uh, that suggest to us, anyway, that those double-digit projections for 2016 are a little bit ahead of themselves. I may have to pull your interview next week. You're 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 simply not being positive enough. <laughs> I, I need some embellishment here. I I need to know that everything's going to be okay. Well, you know, as I said at the top of the interview, we always seem to figure things out uh, after we okay. try a lot of things that don't work. And, um, you know, again, we just need the data, the economic data to come in and, and really kind of change the attitude, change the perspective, uh, generate some true animal spirits that are driven by excitement over the economic outlook and not just excitement over the fact that central banks are going to stay at the zero bound. Uh, if we can get that, uh, then I think the tune changes and then you know, personally, I start to sound a little bit more optimistic here, uh, certainly about the near-term outlook. But, um, but right now, I'm, uh, I'm certainly skeptical of what I'm seeing in the market. Can't we hide behind the fact that Christmas is coming and that saves everything with the retail sales and the Star Wars movies coming out and everyone's going to be happy and spending money gleefully in the next two months? Possibly. Can't do it, can we? <laughs> Okay. You know, we've been talking about how this whole all year long, really, how the big drop in gas prices was going to drive a huge uptick in consumer spending. Um, it has, yeah. And, you know, we haven't seen it yet, frankly. I mean, consumers have okay. been reluctant to spend. And so, you know, ideally that would be the case around Christmas, but uh, the proof will show up in the data, and it's not there yet. That sounds good. Anything else that you're working on that we should be uh, highlighting as we're winding down this couple minutes that we have together? Yeah, sure. You know, one of the things I'm looking at here is, you know, is this whole idea, you know, you know, when will the Fed raise interest rates, right? And um, some of the factors that it cited for not raising interest rates um, are starting to shift a little bit here. You know, they talk about the transitory influence of low oil prices and, and a stronger dollar. Well, you know, we've seen the dollar weaken a bit here since the last meeting. We've seen oil prices come up nicely here, and we've seen financial markets certainly rally. Uh, and, you know, the market is rallying on this idea that the Fed is going to be at the zero bound through year end, but ironically, it may be rallying itself to a, uh, a rate hike that comes sooner than expected, and that could create some upset here because it's certainly not priced into the stock market. You're great. I wildly appreciate you taking my candor with a grain of salt. Um, have a good day. Thanks. You can find Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist, at briefing.com. Briefing.com and his page one is the first thing that I start my morning with every single day when looking at the markets. Find it at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
I'm exhausted. I've done such a great show for 45 plus minutes that I, I think it can be sent to the Smithsonian. It was that kind of good. It was reflective. It was insightful. I feel good about it. I'm kind of a big deal. I, I'm kind of a big deal, and I kind of know that. I'm very important. I, I can drink lots of scotch, 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 and I put it in my belly, belly, belly. And I've got many fine leather-bound books that smell of rich mahogany. I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Yes, I'm now confusing my quotes because I've actually done brain damage from as much scotch as I've put in my belly. You people don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's always 120% true of the way I tell it to management. It's 130% true. Oh, see, I missed that one, too. With that said, my next conversation will be with Mr. T. Mr. T likes to wear gold. He's a big investor in gold. I'm not a big fan of gold. I'm not a big fan of gold because gold to me is just something that, you know, you wear. It's got a little bit of industrial use, but gold and copper, like all the industrial metals and commodities, not doing well with a stronger dollar out there because the commodities have that a barrel is a barrel. But when a dollar increases in value, it can buy more of that barrel. Where a dollar decreases in value, you can buy less of that barrel. But that barrel's still a barrel. The hay's still the hay. The cow's still the cow. Commodities have that that finite fix um, uh, model that stocks don't necessarily have, where you're valuing them on a day by day basis. What do you think, Mr. T? Are you crazy? I'm pity the fool. <laughs> I'm not crazy, and I totally agree that I do pity the fool that doesn't buy into the stock market. And accumulate assets at an early age. I think that's uh, pretty insightful of you, Mr. T. It's, I think it's a pretty good idea that there's foolish people out there that do bad things with their money and, and put themselves in a bad scenario. Come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> that's all my conversation. I'm done. Unless we can get uh, Sarah Jessica Parker talking about the stock market. I could use a little insight from Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Do you think the market's ready to go higher? You disagree with Pat O'Hare? That's crazy. Okay. With that said, uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev and SAB Miller have inked a $104 billion in principal deal. Woohoo! They're going to do it! They're basically one out of every three beers worldwide are going to be sold by one company. So if I drink 12 beers tonight, that means... Let's do the math. Okay, one and three. Carry forward, divide. Twelve by three. Four of the beers that I drink tonight will be sold by S.A.B. Miller or Anheuser Bush. Is that possible? Of course not, because I want to drink their trashy beers. I'm part of, well, like I said earlier in the segment, I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Um, there's zero percent chance I'm going to drink a legacy beer from you know 20 plus years ago. There, it's not going to happen. Um, Bud Light, no chance. Budweiser, no chance. Heineken, I'll drink on a plane, but in protest, to me, Heineken is the nastiest beer on the planet. 
worse than Bud Light. Okay, so number four beer worldwide, Stella Artois. Eh, I think I think the Stella Artois are for dainty people. Corona? Mm, no, thank you. Um, Skull? You don't even know Skull. That tells you that I'm not much of a drinker. <laughs> you believe me, right? Um, so Guinness by Diageo is the seventh biggest beer brand. Aguila by S.A.B. Miller. Don't know that one. Miller Lite. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. When my dog goes to the beach on occasion, I take my dog to the beach and, uh, down by Half Moon Bay. At the Ritz, there's a, a pretty dog-friendly park. And uh, every now and then there's like a dead seal on the beach. My dog will roll around in it and to get the smell of a dead seal off her. Um, I'll actually bathe her in Miller Lite and or Bud Light. Um, for washing my car, I use Coors Light because it's, it's less grainy and it doesn't t- hurt the paint as much. Um, it's thinner than water. So just saying. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, they're having troubles beating. They're having problems. They're having problems selling beer to people under 35. So, and you can see the top 10 beer brands. None of them are craft beers, but they will be. Oil demand growth is expected to slow, the International Energy Association said today. I know. Isn't it funny that there's so many associations and so many groups that there's actually one, uh, the International Energy Agency, they said global oil demand growth is expected to slow in 2016 from a five-year high in 2015. That's bad news if you're uh, an oil can. I know you're saying, if I was an oil can, I probably wouldn't be listening to the show right now. I'd probably be listening to, like, um, the auto show. Um, But oil's running into a tough problem. Ferrari's coming public. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? My instinct? Oh, that's the Ferrari horn. I love listening to Ferraris. Nice car to look at, but even a better car to hear at a stoplight. I just sit there and I wait when it goes green of a Ferrari's behind me so he can do. And then I'm like, okay, buddy. And I wave to him. I'm like, you're in a Ferrari and I am in this crappy VW diesel. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Hey, I love you. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about Rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I put on my Facebook page all of my TV work, and I seriously have the worst TV hair imaginable. If you agree, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, or, or check me out at Facebook, cron for Rob Black, and uh, check out Bad Hair. I'm Rob Black. Listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Barbie's getting a brain. I know you're saying, what? Did you just say what I think he said? 
In November, Mattel's launching Hello Barbie. Hello Barbie. Which uses voice recognition and Wi-Fi to chat with girls. Learn their likes and dislikes and play games. Anti-Barbieists, which I know you're saying, is there really a group of people who are anti-Barbie and they've become anti-Barbieist? They don't seem impressed. Mattel has worked to make Hello Barbie empathic, accepting and fun and interested more than appearance and possessions. Teen Talk Barbie, which was released in 1992, asks, will we ever have enough clothes? Hello Barbie says, have you ever felt jealous about something? So that's, a sp- that's a move in the right direction. The doll may or may not prove a hit this Christmas, and one toy won't reverse a long sales decline from Mattel. But there's signs already that there's a turnaround going on at Mattel. Um, you should take a look at the stock. M-A-T, Matt. There's a shift in tone from management that suggests Barbie is the only one with a new brain. The share price has been cut in half since the end of 2013. The industry not in a slump. Hasbro's been rocking it. Mr. Potato Head, his employers enjoyed a 41% gain over at Hasbro, while Mattel has sagged 37%. The yield at Mattel is a curvaceous, beautiful, lovely 7%. I know you're saying curvaceous. Are you talking about Barbie's figure? Nope. Talking about... Talking about a dividend, get your head out of the gutter, guys. Management wants to grow back into the dividend rather than cut it. Uh, Mattel stock could rebound to $30 a share is the thought. And if it doesn't, you get that 7% dividend yield. Holy mackerel. That's a gain of 35% without dividends or a return of more than 40% with them. Mattel is based in Southern California. It's the world's largest toy maker. Hasbro and Lego have been closing in on that lead. I know you're saying, investing in toys, investing in toys coming up on Christmas. Hello, Barbie, is it going to be enough? After more than 50 years, Barbie remains pretty darn lucrative. It's about 15% of the company's revenue and an estimated 20% of profit. Other big sellers for Mattel include Fisher-Price and other preschool lines at 33% of revenue. Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars at 10% and American Girl dolls at 10%. A stock you could buy. Sexist comment coming up in three, two, one. It's a stock you can buy if you have a daughter and, and go over like the financials with her and talk all about Barbie. And I highly encourage you to like, get your kids involved with kind of what's going on. Mattel's flailing, trying to do anything they could. Last year, Barbie appeared, I'm not kidding you, on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Say what? They had a bizarre publicity campaign called Hashtag Unapologetic. There's some creepiness, not empowerment, that went into the brand last year. There was a failure of the culture. The company was built on creativity, innovation, and speed at Mattel, but they've become kind of insular, complacent, and slow. So the headcount has been cut at Mattel. He's changed two-thirds of Mattel's leadership. He talked about applying a new focus on the ethos to Barbie and other brands. 
He's brought back Richard Dixon, who was credited with boosting Barbie sales in the late 2000s to oversee the brands. Dixon's rumored to be in line for the CEO position as the current CEO is getting kind of long in the tooth. Can Mattel win back shelf space that's lost in recent years? They've lost the Disney Princess toy license, which Hasbro got. Mattel drew the ire of Disney with the launch in late 2013 and of its Ever After High line of dolls, a follow-up to its then-flourishing Monster High line. The Monster High girls are children of movie creatures like the Wolfman and Frankenstein's monster, which is kind of weird. No problem for Disney there. But Ever After includes the children fairy tale characters like Snow White and Cinderella. Don't mess with public domain princesses. And Disney got very, very grumpy like the dwarfs. So Mattel pissed off Disney, but now they seem to be good with each other. Mattel got the license for Disney's Pixar's Toy Story 4, which is coming out in 2017. Fisher Price has returned to growth. Barbie has shown some improvement. So Mattel reports earnings Thursday this week. Monday, Tuesday. Okay, check, check. So not tomorrow, but the day after. Again, let me get my abacus out and go ding, left, ding, ding, um, dong, dong, def, def, dot, carried over. That's, I guess, 48 hours from now. Um, so I'm going to pay attention. I think the long-term opportunity is for operating margins to improve. Mattel has been a loser, 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 loser. You are a loser for a long period of time. And now maybe it's slated to kind of get some sort of action. Um, there's going to be a live action Barbie film in 2017, which to me just sounds like a train wreck. It just sounds like a train wreck. Keep in mind, I was that seven-year-old boy who today, part of me died when Playboy said they're going to stop publishing nude photos. As a seven-year-old kid, I, part of that, it, me died. But as an adult, it's probably the right thing to do at this type day and age where the Internet can take you. But Mattel doing a live-action Barbie film? I know you're saying, did he just talk for seven minutes about Barbie? I did. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.